When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The World Cup party for the US is over. A 3-1 defeat against the Netherlands sends Greg Berhalter's side home. Uh, Netherlands through to the next round of the World Cup. Hello and welcome in to ESPN FC live here on ESPN+. Plus. What a show we have for you today. Plenty of reaction from the first day of the knockout stages of the World Cup. Frank LaBeouf and Stevie Nickel with us here in the studio. We'll kick things off, obviously, with that 3-1 victory for the Dutch. It was a great opportunity for the US to start well. Christian Pulisic had a big, big chance that was saved. And from then on, really, the Dutch took control. We saw Depay scoring after 11 minutes. And then just before the break, Daly Blin would make it 2-1, given, uh, given, given the Dutch the initiative. The US would get one back, but then Dumfries would score pretty much soon after they made it 2-1, 3-1. That was it. A game over for a lot more on this. Let's welcome in, shall we? Uh, from Qatar, Seb and Herka with us, as is Nadem. Casey joins us as well. Uh, Mario, to give us a Dutch perspective, who's going to be a little bit patient, Mario, because we're going to have to start with the US and where it went wrong uh, for Greg Berhalter first. Uh, where should we? Let's start in Qatar, shall we, for everyone and their ways. Uh, boys... How are you feeling now? What, 12 hours after the game? Yeah, I mean, I think the first 10 minutes of the game went great, Herc. And then uh, clearly the, the Dutch quality kind of shone through. Yeah, a lot of quality. A lot of individual quality, collective. Uh, the coaching um, came through as well. First 10 minutes, you s almost started asking yourself, why is there so much U.S. possession? Like, what is going on here? And then you realized Sans the Christian Pulisic chance, it was probably the most clear chance besides that goal, um, that they had it under control. And I mean they as the Dutch. The Dutch knew exactly what they were doing. They were sitting back. They were being calculated. They were being intelligent. They were letting the U.S. have possession of the ball, trying to create a, a numerical advantage on the wings. And once that ball possession was lost, their shape was just out of whack. Uh, they, they weren't in a disciplined shape, and it was right back down the heart of that spine. It was one, two, three touches, and the opposite end, and just schoolboy airs. The second goal comes off a throw-in, literally a throw-in a few minutes before halftime. You could literally see the collective soul of the U.S. men's national team leave their body, uh, and then it was just cruise control for the, for the Dutch national team. <coughs> yeah, you kind of got the sense, you know, watching this game, as we uh, hear Casey there in the background, um, you kind of got the sense, right, that, that the U.S. like had fallen in love with their physicality. When we were talking about this game in the lead-up to it, we thought so much about this American midfield. And yet almost that physicality worked against them, like the technique that the Dutch had, especially in the first goal. Yeah. You see the quality there. And the U.S. guys, for as good as they played, they never got on the ball. And when they did, they just really couldn't beat all that dangerous. Yeah, I think the, the possession statistic will make you think that the USA were controlling the game. But ultimately, mm -hmm. it was the Netherlands that were doing so. Yeah. They were allowing... It's almost 60-40 to US. Literally. Yeah. So you would think that's like a nice, positive performance. But it wasn't the case. I think there was a lot of time when Zimmerman had it and Tim Ream had it. And they weren't really doing anything with it. And when you are in that position, you sort of get lulled into this false sense of security that 
you are everything's under control. And I think at times you've seen Serginio Dest, you've seen Robinson go too far forward. And lo and behold, for the Netherlands, when there was a turnover, they're coming straight at you. I think that was the case for the first goal. And then the second goal, as Herc said, like, it's such a sloppy, sloppy way to concede directly from a throw-in. Well, this is your chance to sort of organise and to put things into a good spot. Yet still now you concede in the last minute of the first half. You could have gone at 1-0 one, one at half-time and thought, this is what we're going to do in the second half. But now the mountain's just that little bit higher. The task is just that little bit tougher. And in fairness to Van Gaal, when you're bringing on, um, was it Berg, Bergwijn? It was. And he's dropping people back. He's, he's going more attacking yeah. at 2-0 up in a knockout round of a, of, a, of a World Cup. It's impressive. And just to mention one thing, actually. So I was speaking with Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. And oh, name drop. Wow. Name drop sure. This is one of, me, one of many name drops I could put in there. And he said the biggest thing that he was disappointed with from the US was the fact that he felt the manager treated it like it was a group game. He said, at the end of the day, you could have gone through on penalties so it, why be so open in a game That's the most that frustrating magnitude? thing is you saw how calculated they were, how intelligent they were against England. Yep. Uh, in my eyes, a much more difficult opponent, and they respected the English national team. They said, you know what? We need to be very careful, very disciplined in the way we attack to not leave Don't ourselves Americans open. Americans like their team's aggressive? They were too aggressive? They were too naive. Saying? It was very naive of them to think that they could go and attack them that way and commit those type of numbers and that the Netherlands team wouldn't be able to hurt him in transition. Yeah, we got to acknowledge that the, the better players are on the Dutch side too, right? Greg oh, Berhalter said as much that. afterwards. But the U.S. had more shots, more shots on goal, and yet the quality of the chances, the clinical nature of these Dutch players. And I'm not wait, just talking about wait, the wait, finishes. Wait, more shots on, do, you, do you see the type of saves Turner had to make? Mm. I don't no, ever recall. didn't have to make a not big like save that. on Pulisic? Not, it was the only one, Seb. You keep mentioning Christian Pulisic's chance. It was the only one in the ninth minute, and then they had nothing else besides the goal, which is a very fortunate goal if you're looking at it. I still don't know how that ball went in. Yeah, yeah. I guess my point is not just the finishing. It's every cross from the Dutch was dangerous. Every, every ball into the final third was dangerous. And Christian Pulisic's one of the guys, but he's the guy we focus on a lot. When he got into those dangerous spots, the final pass wasn't there. And there really were not any Americans that completed the final pass. Yeah, so match. I think for people who would have been watching the game from home, it probably sounded quite quiet in the stadium. And I think that was symptomatic of the way that the USA were playing. So they had the possession, but they weren't really doing anything with it. Every time there was something which could get the crowd going, they really got into it. And you could sense how many thousands of USA fans were there. But for large parts, they were quiet. The balls moving side to side. They were a little bit sloppy in possession. And then the only time you'd kind of hear them was with this feeling of dread as all of a sudden Depay's got the ball in the turn and he's turning, he's running straight at the back line. So I think, you know, it, it's, it's a tough, tough game for them. But ultimately, this is the lesson. There are some teams who have better players, have the better experience. And overall, I think the Netherlands look comfortable, even though they didn't, yeah. They weren't the ones that they were sort of the protagonists within the game. That experience is with players and managers as well. Louis van Gaal after the game said, you know, this team didn't adjust. He was very blunt. He was very direct, kind of putting it on Greg Berhalter at the end of the day. Uh, naive, Casey, is that a word you would use to describe the performance today? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of that. I mean, I would agree with what Jimmy Floyd said is... The United States played a particular way in the group phase. And we talked about how resolute they defended, how Matt Turner really didn't have really difficult saves to make. Yes, there's that one moment, that Harry Kane free header in stoppage time. But for the most part, it was. It was, it was, it was a team that picked and chose their opportunities to get forward. They scored when they needed to score, but they made sure they kept it tight defensively. And then for some reason in this match, they just went for it. From the very first minute, they just started throwing numbers forward. And yes, I think it caught the Dutch off a little bit. And, and, they, and they created that good chance um, from Pulisic early. But after that, 
Yeah, it was. It was a case where this is not a, a Dutch side that's going to pick you apart for 90 minutes of a game, but go back to their first goal. U.S. has numbers forward, and it was a 7-8 pass, one-touch combination, one-two touch, that, that once you break a press like that, you know you've got six, seven guys behind the ball, and the quality and the efficiency of the Dutch attack you know, hurt the U.S. And go back to key moments. The goal in the last kick of the first half on a, on a simple mistake, a silly giveaway, and the slowest player in the World Cup sneaks in front of you and smashes a ball home for, for a 2-0 lead before halftime. And at that stage, it's almost insurmountable. And, but give the guys credit. They kept fighting in the second half. They got themselves back into the game. And right when you're starting to put this, this Dutch side under pressure at 2-1, you fall asleep at the far post and, and, and all that pressure goes to naught. So yeah, naive is a, is a really, really key word. And one that, uh, you know, Seb, we were talking about on Football Americas. You asked me, was I satisfied with the tournament or was I disappointed with the way it ended? And, and, and I told you both. I'm happy with what I saw. I'm happy with a lot of young players who stepped up. I'm happy for someone like a Tim Ream who really wasn't even in the squad and had a tremendous tournament. Uh, but then I'm also disappointed because you're not going to have a better opportunity to beat a side like the Netherlands in the round of 16 than we had today. What went wrong? Um, I, think, I think what happened is I think Mr. Van Gaal knew exactly what would have happened. In, in that game, and uh, he, he knew that uh, the United States will open up and will go for it uh, with the only enthusiasm and maybe the lack of experience in that level, and it's what they did. Unfortunately for the, uh, the United States, they had the chance to score, and I think it would have been the turning point if Pulisic would have scored that goal, because for me, and maybe Mario would tell us, I'm not sure the Netherlands have a plan B. The plan A, and maybe the only plan, is to wait and counterattack which they do very, very well. Um, and it happened straight after the, the miss of Pulisic, where when they scored the goal, when Depay scored the goal, we see Adams not coming back, making a, a mistake, not sprinting back to, uh, to try to cover and, uh, and take the ball from Depay. And it, come, it came like that, little mistake by little mistake. At the end of the day, you lose the game. Three crosses, the guy that talked about it, three goals, um, and uh, somehow lack, lack of chances. But again, I, I, I go back to to what I think. I think it's not it's only that they were naive, it's that, that they are somehow inexperienced still. Right. So within four years in the United States, being the host, maybe it would be different, but I think they have to improve in some details. Football is only about details. The, the Dutch, they resolved most of the details where the, the United States didn't. It's not only inexperienced players, it's an inexperienced coach. Hmm. Where did he get it wrong? I'm not so sure he got it that, that badly wrong, to be honest. You know, we can talk about how the dynamic of the game might have changed had Pulisic scored. Right. It would have meant that the US could have pretty much done what they're probably best at, and that is, that is sitting, closing the ball, being tight the way they had been in a group, and then trying to break. Unfortunately, he didn't, and as soon as the Dutch scored, then after that, the Dutch were like, come on then. And I don't think Greg Berhalter can do anything about players who give the ball away.
I don't think he I don't think he picked a wrong team. But the players keep giving the ball away. And if you keep giving the ball away, then what's happening is the man who's giving it away, there's going to be players out of position because they're moving to get the ball. And then when you're playing against a side who are thriving on it, with somebody like Depay uh, and the form that Gakpo's in, mm. then you're up against it. And, and, and from there, it was, it, it, for me, it was done at 1-0. The way that the US yeah. were playing, the way they were giving the ball away, it, it was a matter of time for me when the second goal was coming because of that. Why didn't they go into this game with the same approach as they did against England then? When it worked so well against England and they stifled them so well? Because they knew that England will attack, will lead the game, and they knew that it was their, 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 their will which is not what the Netherlands uh, mm. were, were, were wanted. And it, at the end of the day, it went perfect for, for the Netherlands. Again, had Pulisic would have scored the goal, it would have been completely different. Right. Because they would, the United States would have dropped back, they would yeah. have waited for, 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 the, for the Dutch, uh, Van Gaal would have needed another plan, and then it would have been a different game. Oh, so doesn't mean that Pulisic is the only guilt, <laughs> guilty for, 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 for that defeat. But it's a real turning point. Uh, I want to bring Mario into the conversation. Mario, we'll talk about the Dutch, obviously, a little later on. Inevitably, I suppose it might lead this way anyway. But what did you make from the US over the 90 minutes? I, I felt like I listened to all you guys. Um, I think um, the US wasn't ready for what Holland was bringing to them. I think the energy that they played with uh, the couple of games that they went by, they performed really well. They had a high energy. They played against England. And I think maybe in the English game, they maybe burst out too much energy compared to what was coming. Um, going back to also the other side is, um, I won't talk too much about Holland, but also uh, I felt like America was surprised. They, they got the ball playing against a team that normally is dictating the game. And Holland didn't want it that. Because they wanted to see how good is America when we give them the ball and let them dictate it. And let's see how, how good they're going to play now. And I don't think the U.S. has ever had the experience doing that. And that's why the game turned around, because now they were, they were using, because they knew, Fogal knew, if I'm going to play energy to energy, those are young players compared to what I have. I have young players too, but I still have a mixture. So, for example, Blint. Why did it took so long? They took way off. I don't think they should have taken him off, because he is clearly the one that you want to test. But they, they never tested him. He never looked at the weak point, points for the Holland side. And I think that's what was the crucial thing. And that's why Holland really looked at all the weak points. If I'm going to call out some weak points of you guys, it was incredible to watch the game. I was just watching the game and I was like, how do you not know? Because even when I was playing on the Fungal, he would put us down as a team and highlight all the weak points of every team you play against. And he will tell you, this is what he's going to do. This is what's going to happen. And if you don't do it, you're going to lose the game. If you do it, we will win the game. That doesn't mean that he would have won the game because it was that easy. No. But I still think they should have done better in the sense of like understanding where's Holland weak and where are we weak so we don't get exposed. How do you, how do you dictate the game when you don't have players that can do that, though? You know, we've been talking the whole tournament about how great Adams and McKenney and Musa have been doing about this energy and closing the ball and winning the ball back. That's a different ball game than having the ball at your feet and having to outplay well, then, teams. Then I suppose they don't why have the not players. start players like Aronson, like Gio Reyna, who can play with the ball? So that, Pina, why not bring in the personnel so you really that think, can do that? You really think, Aronson, do you really think any changes? Listen, the one, the one player that they have that, that we would all say is a football player would be Reyna. Mm -hmm. But 
We have no idea what's been going on there. That's a complete mystery. But after him, are you really telling me that Aronson could have played, started this game and would have been involved in dictating play? He's not. He's a runner as well. So sometimes you've got to understand, you don't have the players to dictate a game. You have to hope that you can play the way that suits you, but if the opposition go ahead and then give you the ball, what are you supposed to do when you don't have the, the players to do it? Herc, what do you think? Well, I, I think Stevie's initially right in, in his thought, but there are different ways of dictating the game or, or making your mark on the game. If your motor is that midfield, then that midfield should be able to neutralize a Frankie de Jong, who didn't have a clear partner throughout this World Cup. I mean, it's Jerome in this game, but he had a partner every single game. So Van Gaal was still trying to get that right. What you don't want to do, and Mario highlighted, is Van Gaal's going to take your weaknesses. He clearly saw that Walker... Zimmerman and perhaps uh, Anthony Robinson weren't quite ready to have the ball at their feet and eliminated the situations where it was Serginho Dest or maybe Eunice Musa or a Christian Pulisic on the ball and force those to play make and force them to come out of the back and force those guys to commit numbers for going forward. So it would be only Tyler Adams hung out to dry when it was a counterattack. I think that's a way of dictating the game. You don't have to be a world beater on the ball to have a clear path of dictation in this game. That's where I thought the U.S. Men's National got in trouble. I, I agree 100% with Mario. Uh, they've been hearing all week uh, the Dutch national team about, well, this isn't the Dutch national team of old. You know, no Burkham, no Van Basten. Uh, you don't have a Cruyff. You don't have a Van der Sar, not even in goal. I think Van Gaal said, okay, let's see how good you are. Show us how good you can be. And he just sat back. And I think in Greg Berhalter's mind, he saw what Ecuador was able to do in the group phase and said, we can use this as a blueprint. We can go at him mm -hmm. with speed. We can be that team to dictate going forward and get chances. And that clearly was not the case. If I may here, uh, we have thrown a lot of praise at the MMA midfield, right? McKenny, Musa, Adams. Yeah. You were in the stadium. We don't always see on television what they're doing. What did you see from that trio there? I just didn't see them working cohesively when they had the ball. I think there was a lot of times when the two centre-backs would have it and they'd be looking for an option and maybe they'd give it to Adams, but then it's not going to be in combination with Moose. It's not in combination with McKenney. Do you feel like they wanted the ball? I think at times it didn't really look like it, and I don't know why that was, essentially. I think some of them, perhaps in the moment, were hiding. Maybe the situation was difficult because they were looking around and they were having different looks to what they're used to. And so for some, they weren't really getting on the ball, getting on the half turn, trying to be dynamic, because I thought for this game, and I kind of saw it from looking down, if they could move the ball quickly and inject tempo into it and be able to create some of those overloads, then great. But ultimately, it felt like at times they played the game at the Netherlands' tempo instead right. of their own. And as a consequence, like, you're playing into their hands. And at that point, people overcommit. I think Serginio Dest overall in the first half attacked well. Mm -hmm. But then he sort of let some of those defensive duties go out the window, as we saw for that second goal. And I think there were other players who happened to be in that same situation. Because lo, lo and behold, whenever there was a break, you're seeing Depay and Gakpo versus Zimmerman and Tim Ream. And which who do you think is going to win that matchup right. more often than not? So I didn't, I didn't love it. I expected a bit more character from them. But they are still young players at the if end I of the day. If I can just end real quickly with what Stevie said about what player can help you out. What one player is going to make that difference? That's the thing. When you don't have that one player, the system is imperative. Mm. The coaching system, the coach, what he does, it's imperative. Because you need that system to beat players that are world beaters. Worth noting here, too, everyone's talking about energy. And you talked about all the changes that the Dutch have made in their midfield. So, in theory, we think those guys should be fresh. The U.S. hasn't really made those changes. No. And we talk about the, the gap in quality. is just not the gap in quality and the technique of your starters. It's... 
the depth of the roster. And we right. see that with this U.S. team. Yep. This U.S. team is not as deep. And in the fourth game, that midfield engine, I think, I don't want to speak for anybody else on this panel, seem to have not run out of gas, be very low in the gas tank, guys. Uh, let's take a talk about the tournament and overall, Casey. It was almost a bit like uh, U.S. elimination bingo, wasn't it, at the end? The pride, fight, showed American spirit, which you kind of have heard before, but there was supposed to be progress in this tournament. Did you see enough of it? Well, yeah, I mean, you think of going from not qualifying to getting out of the group stage. You know, that's obviously progress uh, with, a, with the second youngest team in the tournament. And so it wasn't like you had uh, a bunch of guys with a lot of experience who slipped up in qualifying and put it right. It was a whole new group of guys in a new experience. And, and you think of the goals that Greg Holter had when he took the job. One, qualify. Two, get out of the group stage. And he did both of those. Now, this idea that the U.S. is somehow going to flip a switch and become Brazil is kind of ridiculous. So I, I like what I saw at times, very much so. I mean, to the guy's point uh, about the, the midfield three, you were more or less playing with three number sixes. And because you're playing with three number sixes, you really shielded that back four really well in the group stage. The idea was that Musa was going to be the one that would maybe be more advanced, get possession of the ball, run at defenses, maybe be more of the playmaker. But that never really materialized throughout this whole tournament. But what you did do is you kept it at zero at the back. Yes, it was a rash challenge from Zimmerman. Was the, was the only penalty in the group page, which is what broke them down. So they, they did what they needed to do. They stayed in games. They fought hard. They got through. And then they threw that out the window. And, and that was a little bit frustrating. But uh, overall, absolute success. Um, a bright future. Young players that, fingers crossed, can only get better. And then add in some new younger players and I really like where this United States national team is going. Uh, you're going to have to find a number nine at some stage, I reckon, before, before the next <laughs> World Cup, Seb. Uh, looking at it, are you as positive as, as Casey, Seb? Yeah, and I would put it this way. I think the United States didn't just get good results in this tournament. They gave good performances. Let's, let's put today aside for a second. I, I know it's the, the game we're all focused on, but... For 45 minutes, they were the better team against Wales. There's a tactical change. They don't adjust well in that second half. Other than that, five of the six halves in the group phase, they're the better team. And I include the two halves against England. Nobody saw that coming. So, it, you know, you can look at a team like Poland that's in the round of 16 and say, this team has played for nothing. I mean, they have results that will get them into the round of 16. But on performance, how could you feel good about Poland? You look at this U.S. team. You say they performed well. Even in stretches today, they looked... Semi-dangerous, I'll say. Maybe, maybe they were lacking that final touch. And Dan, to your point, like, yes, it would be great to find a number nine. It's like a great quarterback in the NFL. They don't grow on trees. You don't just pop up with a number nine. And even the teams that are in this stage of the tournament don't all have great number nine. So, of course, if this U.S. team adds that, another level in 2026. And I think that's, that's, that's the, the backdrop, is that this is a young team that's heading into its prime for a home and World And you Cup. cannot forget how young they are. They're the second youngest team in this World Cup. They're the youngest team in what is this uh, round Who's of 16, left, right. what was left. And, and that inexperience is going to come back to bite you in the end. But what you saw, the growth, the potential <clears throat> is there. All these kids are going to be 
25, 26, and 27 come next World Cup. And do you think at that next World Cup they'll be able to sort of handle that pressure and the expectation from the home nation or not? Yeah, you've got your nation behind you. You've got an experience under. You're gonna work up experience under your belt. You've been there. You've seen it. Maybe there's more input on the coaches. That even Greg Berhalter is gonna come out better for this. This is a growing experience for Greg Berhalter himself. First 45 against Poland, uh, very good. Second 45, extremely disappointed. So how can you come in thinking you can put a complete performance against England for a total 90? And he did. It's a growing experience for him if as well. You, if you, what's your hunch right now? Will he be in charge in four years' time? I don't think so. And I think Casey's mentioned it before. It's, it's not something that it's because we don't want to or even the Federation doesn't want to. I think Greg Berhalter may, may be uh, wearing thin on that one as well. Maybe he wants to try his hand at club level. Yeah, and a, an important note here for whoever's going to be the coach and, and if this team's going to grow and be able to handle that pressure, you got to get quality games in. And yeah. with no qualifying coming, that's going to be a problem. So that's a big thing for the Federation to figure out. How are we going to get competitive matches to test not just the players, but the manager, whoever that is moving forward, guys? When we uh, played 98 before the World Cup, we were absolutely horrendous in every game we played before the World Cup. So I don't know if Seb is right, but, but it's not a very good example. But just want to say about the United States, I think after the non-qualification, the Federation and I think the MLS tried to improve uh, the way of thinking and the, the, the gap that they have to, uh, uh, to, um, uh, to how do you say, to fill uh, comparing to other nations. The United States is a big country. You have more than 30 million kids playing for uh, soccer, where in France, for example, you have only 2 million. I guess it's, uh, it's something like that in England. You have all the players that you need to find the right team within like maybe four years, maybe eight years, maybe 12 years. But if you don't go for the right thoughts and the right, the right direction, you're going to be wrong everywhere. It's definitely trending in the right direction, Stevie. Absolutely, 100%. What you have now, is a core. Listen, every club team, every successful club team has a core. And then you add to it. And it's hard to get an international football. But that's exactly what they've got. Through this qualification, through this World Cup, they've now got a goalkeeper that could be there for the next 10 years. You've got the, the three players in the middle of the park that we've been talking about. You've got Pulisic. You know, can you add two or three other players around that? But, but to, you, to, can... to, to Casey's points. These players, this group, this core, is not going to make the US a top 10 team. You're not going to be some Brazil overnight. But that's where you Where do you find your number nine from? That's, this do is, you find another? Can we get somebody like Pulisic on the other side? You know, can you get your... You know, Dest, again, somebody like Dest can be around for another seven, eight years. Can he take the next step? Robinson's going to be around as well. Can he, can he take a next step as well? So, I mean, we've just spoken about seven or eight players who could be your core. Can you find a couple of superstars that will make a huge difference? That's a big ask. That's the problem, isn't it? But that's how everybody starts. Everybody, every team has to have the core and then you add your stars. You've got to find your stars. But the, you, your stars right now, are the players you were naming, they're good. But if you compare with the top, top level in the world rank, they're still far away. So they have to improve. Of course, they are in a good way, in a good, in, in a good path. But... They're still far away, you know. If you compare Robinson with uh, the top of the top in the uh, as, a, as a fullback, you will find like maybe ten players. He can, he can, you know, get there, but he will have to work hard. Uh, of course, a number of U.S. fans in Qatar for the World Cup. Alexis caught up with some of them after the game.
It was a heartbreaking game. Um, I think that uh, defensively we made a couple of mistakes, especially on the left side. I think the line, starting lineup was horrible. 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 He started a player that didn't play the whole cup, and he puts him in this very important game. I think the U.S. had had a lot more possession than I expected and had a lot of chances. I think they were just not clinical in front of goal. I think the experience showed, but we're proud of our boys. To be honest, I think I've been a little bit disappointed with Gio not getting as much playing time. I think he's one of our top talents. Everything from this point on was icing on the cake this tournament. Uh, youngest uh, squad, uh, or one of the second youngest squad in the tournament. Oh, Greg Barhall, did you still want to see him in charge? Yeah, I, I like him. I think he's a, I think he's a pretty cool guy. Um, he seems like he's bringing the team together. They're they're young. We had to blame one person, the coach. The coach, poor, yeah. poor. So even earlier, we we should have crushed those earlier opponents. As always, uh, the coach very much the talking point. Just a reminder what Craig Berhalter has achieved compared to previous rosters, of course, making it through to the round of 16. They're looking to make it to the quarterfinals for the first time since ah, 2002, Casey. Uh, Greg Berhalter's future, I'm surprised to hear Herc saying that he won't be in charge. He doesn't think he'll be in charge for 2026. Are you on the same page? Well, what we were talking about on Football Americas was it does. I, I, I know Greg well. We've been friends a long, long time. And, and, and Greg's the type of guy that, that really wants to be on the pitch every day. And, you know, you can't do that with a national team. You have such large stretches where, you know, you're not in contact with your players. So there's a part of me that thinks that potentially Greg would want to go back to, to coaching a club. Um, I have no inside information on this. Greg and I haven't talked about it, but but I, knowing Greg the way I know Greg, that I mean, I, I could see him looking at Jesse Marsh and going, "Yeah, I might I might like a little bit of that." Um, and I know he had his opportunity uh, in Sweden; it didn't quite work out. And I'm sure he'd love to go back to Europe and and see if he can uh, to make it happen. But in the end, there's. There's only so much you can do, um, and and somebody has to be phoning you and and saying, hey, we want you to coach your, we want you to coach our team. So uh, I'm sure Greg will look at whatever options come his way, and and I I personally I know some of the fans are a little bit frustrated, but again I'll reiterate, you had two goals, you achieved both those goals. I don't know what more uh, a coach can do. Does what Casey say make sense? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you know, there's nothing more fulfilling than stepping on the field every day and being involved with the, right. with the players. I mean, obviously winning <laughs> is big time, but just, it's just what you are. You know, Greg's been a football player all his life. Now he's a coach. When it's, when it's what you do, I, I can't imagine going through three or four months when you just go and watch games for the sake of it. I would hate to have that job. I really would, so... Don't if, you, isn't that your job now? <laughs> no, but there's no... I get to talk about it. Right. Okay. I get to talk about it two hours after the game's finished. Right. What does he do? Go home and tell the wife. Well, that's what he does. <laughs> when, when, you, when you love what you do... When you're, <laughs> the only, when the you're, only downsides I've got to talk to yeah, you. Yeah, 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 smarty pants. <laughs> I think when yeah. you're a coach, you want, to, you want to have the feeling that you handle everything. And being a national team coach, you have the guys coming and going, and you, you, know, you, you have to deal with some players, with the injury, with the clubs and everything. You have only three days to prepare most of the time. That, you handle nothing. Right? They're not doing anything. 
You know, you can't work on it. All right, maybe a set piece or two. But right. what else? What else he going to do? Yep. They should play for free. They should work for free. Oh, you think so? Oh, they do nothing. It's what. <laughs> uh, that's it. Uh, we'll say thank you. Very so, what happens? Seven. Do you come home now? What happens? No, we don't want you anymore. Do we come here. home? What's going on here? No, I have to actually. Uh, I have to see Nadam off in a few days, which will be very difficult Aww. for me on a emotional level. What? And then I welcome Shaka Hislop to the apartment oh, to here his in, studio. in Doha. Oh. So now we're going to be doing Football Americas uh, every uh, did day you, through Did the you end catch of the what Cup. Frank said about 98? Wow. All the U.S. need is Zinedine Zidane, Thierry yeah, Henry, no. and Trezeguet, and we're, they're good to go for perfect a World Cup. Yeah. Perfect comparison, yeah. Perfect comparison. And LaBeouf. Uh, all right, thank you very much, guys. Thank you very much to Casey as well. <laughs> Mario, I promise we will talk about the Dutch a little later on in the show. Just a reminder, Football America is the boy you mentioned, available every single day on ESPN+. If you ever miss a show, you can download our daily podcast, which is available over on the website. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Well, ESPN FC on ESPN Plus is presented by the all-new Honda CRV Hybrid as we focus on the other knockout stage, which we now know will see Argentina take on the Netherlands. Argentina with a 2-1 victory. They were absolutely cruising in this game. Great goal from Lionel Messi to break the deadlock. Then a goalkeeping howler would see Alvarez make it 2-0. Lautaro Martinez then had a million chances that he couldn't convert. And then Australia would make Argentina sweat late on. It would be an own goal, a deflected effort, would give Australia hope and then a big save. Remember, at the end of the game, we'd see Argentina through to the quarterfinals, and we can see these celebrations. This is the, the, the Argentina watch party. This is in Buenos Aires. Look at the number of people there. Wow. wow. That's when Messi scored, which was, I don't know if you know this, Frank, his first goal in the knockout stages of the World Cup. I was thrown like 100 times since he scored, you know, that, I'm, I'm very pleased to, to, to hear that. Uh, this was a weird game, Steve. Well, it was a weird game because Argentina didn't put the game away right. when they had the chance. And we all thought when, the, when that mistake, unfortunately, from Ryan and, and it's 2-0, then we all think the game's done and dusted, which it should have been. But then, but then 
as in football, you just never know. Yeah. And, and it's, a, it's a crazy goal, an incredible deflection. And all of a sudden, we're, what, 15 minutes to go? Australia just need one goal. Mm-hmm. And they almost got it. I mean, my mate Martinez. Yeah. What a challenge he made on, wow. on uh, uh, Lissandra Martinez. Yes. Yes. The one who's too short to be a defender. Correct. Right. Well, yeah. it was a challenge on the ground, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then, of course, of course, his brother Martinez in goal. Uh, yes. he, made a, he, he made a save yeah. as well with the last kick of the ball that, yes. that could have taken it to, to injury time. I mean, here's the challenge. A great challenge. Now the thing is. It, we, but it should have been that, done. That, that, was a scen- been that, done. That, that was a scenario that we saw. It's a no surprises until the 70, 77 right. minutes. Yeah. That everything was written like, yeah, Argentina were better, they're going to score goals, they're not going to show crazy football, a very enthusiastic football, but they're going to do the job until the 77th minute, where we know football that nothing is done until the, the final whistle. Yeah. And a crazy goal in a way that it's an on goal. Uh, the, the, the shot was going away and, and then you have like two last chances yes. and fortunately you have a great goalkeeper Martinez and uh, Argentina go through but imagine had uh, one of the players Aussie player would have scored and the 2-2 you go through extra time yeah my god that's another story, but it is what it is. Yeah. They, went, they go through, well done. Uh, Mario with us, uh, as is Nadem. Jules joins us as well. Jules, this is why we play the game. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was great to see Leo Messi in that kind of form as well. Scaloni said after the game, this is the best performance I've had from, from Messi since I took charge of the national team. And I think it's, it's one of the best, I think, performance overall that Messi had in his career for Argentina. His 1,000th goal, a game, sorry, of course, in his career. To score his 789th goal is pretty incredible. If you add the assist, it's, it's even more. And, and to be fair, it's, it's fantastic to see him like that. The thing about Argentina, they didn't play well. I think right now, all you care about is winning, though. When you get to this kind of stage of the World Cup, yeah, of course, it's better if you can play well and you take your chances and etc. But they didn't even create that many chances. I thought overall, in the end, the XG is 1.6. But they did the job and that's all they care about right now. And they were still celebrating in the dressing room on the pitch, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. FIFA had to tell them to get out. <laughs> Otherwise, they would still be in the stadium right now celebrating that team spirit, I think, can also take them far. Mario, it's interesting, that team spirit, because obviously you look at it and think, oh, they're celebrating, that's great, the collective is there. But you're also thinking, you know, it's Australia, you should have, you should have won this game and you should have won it more convincingly. No, I think when it comes to the World Cup, I think all nations come to a moment where it becomes difficult, right? Um, because even if you're so-called, with all the respect, weaker side, you're still going to perform in a way that you, you're going to set yourself up defensively. That's what uh, Australia did. They set up, they set back, they waited. Because Argentina was in the first couple of minutes, they were in control, they were leading, you know, they were passing the ball around and everything. But then there came a moment when they dropped back. And it was really interesting to see that when they dropped back and Moy uh, from Australia was picking the ball up in pockets, but he wasn't clinic enough, clinical enough. He wasn't mm. moving forward. He wasn't passing the ball really forward. He was just going left, right, left, right. And that wasn't. And then Messi, if you can see one moment, it was really interesting to watch. He goes, and the whole team followed. And it was just like, you know, it's like how will I say? You know, when you when you have a leader on the pitch, people always say like you you like what I always say in football. You cannot make a leader. You are one, and okay, of course, everybody will talk about Messi because he's one of the greatest footballer ever lived. But besides that. You also have to understand that everybody has to understand the trigger when he goes. And when the trigger went, 
everybody went to press. And I feel like it was really Messi's game, not only because of that. Guys, if you come out of missing a penalty, it can hit you. But this guy, oh, my God, his, his mindset is so cold. And even when he was in the game, you could see open things up. And then he gets his moment. And when he scored the goal, everything was finished because he just leads. And look how many assists he also gave in the game for others to score and still control the game. Uh, Nadim, you look at the goal and defensively, you think, oh, how can you give someone like Messi that much space? Yeah, you could say that. I think there's a bit of good fortune from the touch from Otamendi, I believe it was. But then yeah. once he gets to his feet, it's such a good finish. Initially, I think myself and Julian were thinking maybe it took a deflection, but then you look at it and it's just so neat, neatly just placed into the corner. And I think that, you know, that's quintessentially messy. 789 goals. The stuff which we normalize these days is truly staggering, even a thousand games in itself. But yeah, he's a, he's a very, very special player. And to mention as well, they were celebrating at the end of the game. It's not just because they beat Australia. Like, they suffered for the last 15 minutes of that match. And, you know, when Mar Martinez makes the tackle, should he not celebrate, for example, because it's Australia? Well, no, because it still prevents the other team from scoring a goal. You know, they took the game on for what it was. And as Julian was saying, it was about the win. And they fought hard to get that win. There were players who were out on their field. Paul was out on his feet. You were seeing Messi out on his feet, maybe because he was pressing a bit more than we've ever seen before. But fair play to them. They managed to get it across the line. And now they're set up for what could be a great game against the Netherlands. But again, it'll be a tough encounter because there's another team in there with a little bit of a streetwise uh, sort of nature to them. But fair play to Argentina. Congratulations to them. And um, yeah, for Australia as well, they've made, a, I think they've had a, an incredible World Cup for what they sort of would have expected of themselves. And I think their fans are very happy overall. Do you know, a couple of things. People always ask me, why, did, why does nobody tackle Messi in the box? <laughs> because it always seems to be bodies. Yeah. Defenders are scared. Ball. Defenders are scared to go near him because he's so quick, he's so clever. They're scared to, to, to touch him and bring him down. And so he, not only does he, does he generate space for himself with his ability, but because players are so scared to go near him as well. That's why he can do that with, with all these bodies around him. The second thing, and probably the most important thing, every single player in that squad is playing for Messi. Right. You can see it as clear as day. Mm -hmm. It's almost like they don't care about themselves. Is that they a problem? They don't care about the family. They don't care about... It's messy. Well, it, is that problematic at all? It can be problematic if... <laughs> if it's on your mind 24-7, you're not preparing properly, you're, right. you know, it's all... But if you, if you channel that energy and that desire to get this guy the World Cup, if you channel it all the right way, my goodness, that's an unstoppable force. Can you imagine that? It's a, it's, it's a problem if Messi is not in a good day right. <laughs> because you're going to play for him. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, I think to go back to, uh, to how you can cope with Messi, it's impossible. On top of it, if you have Otamendi who, mix, who misses his control to become an assist, where everybody is surprised even himself, it's hard for the defense to cope with that. Right. You know? uh, Again, yeah, the Messi dependence is it's compulsory okay. in a way that because you have a so, such a talented player, you have to use him. That would be stupid to, do, to not doing so. But at the same time, as I said, if Messi is not on a good day, you're going to suffer. What's interesting then, the pressure is obviously on the team to deliver for Messi. Yeah. The, the pressure is on the team to deliver for the country. Mm. You then have someone like Lissandra Martinez, who has not had a good tournament so far, obviously. Had those two goals chalked off against Saudi Arabia. Completely different tournament if he scores those. Today he had those clear chances. It, it, it's kind of added pressure, isn't it, to the striker. How mentally do you kind of deal with that? 
Because, I, you know, I'd be a mess. You know, I just, you wouldn't want to hear from me. Because that's... Cause look at, look, you, don't, you don't want to be Gonzalo Higuain. You don't no. want to be... You don't no, want to be, you don't want to be Olivier Giroud, uh, last World Cup. You don't want to be uh, Stéphane Givarch in 98, where he was a striker, didn't score. The thing is, even in the eyes of Messi, when he gave him the pass and he missed the, the goal and he looked at the, uh, the, the, the grass because he was uh, thinking that the grass was the, the, the problem, you felt that he was sorry for him. And then when it's not your World Cup, it's not going to be your World Cup. And uh, it's so sad, but it is what it is. And, uh, and some players are lucky. Remember Scilacci in 90. We never heard about him before. We barely heard about him after. But he was on fire during the World Cup in 1990. That's what it is. Yeah. And that's football. If, if Mario, it fascinates me that the psyche of getting over that, when you, your team's just won, everyone's happy, but surely in the back of your mind you're thinking, oh, man, I really need to get a goal soon. Yeah, no, of course. I, I, I saw that, you know, like you, you can think about it, but one thing you're always going to have is that you got to keep going. And that's, I think, the great ones. That's why I compliment Messi because we all compliment him because he missed that penalty, guys. You know, look, his reaction to the penalty miss, you could clearly see that he was affected by it in the way if he was thinking, but he knew he had to carry on. He carries on. Look how he celebrated his goal afterwards. You know what I'm saying? When you see him today, he lets go. I, I always say this. Look, we have nations around the world that we represent, like in myself, for example. But the Latins, the passion of Latins, you cannot buy that. It doesn't matter where you're from. They have a passion that is on a different scale. You will not understand it if you don't. You, I've never witnessed it myself because I never came, it never came to me. But I've seen players around me that are from that nation. Their passion is like when they do something... Or when they lose, or when they, they, they... Look how Uruguay reacted, for example, when they got yeah. kicked out. It's a total different prospect. <laughs> Dan, remember that? The winning is the deodorant of the game. Do you remember yeah, that I one? do remember, Stevie. This well, is one it's of kind of, Well, it's kind of the same thing for Lissandro Martinez, because it doesn't matter. Lautaro, They've won the game. Lautaro Martinez. Uh, beg your pardon. Yeah. <laughs> They've won the game. So, so the only person is a striker. He's not well, of course he is. He's like that. The next time I do that, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Next time I do that, I'm going right. to. He's, do you think he's never? I know it's different. It's a World Cup. Right. But he's not playing for Argentina in this World Cup. Right. Because mentally, he's like a little kid. Right. And as I said, the fact that they won the game. Yes, he wants to score, but they won the game. And so nobody's going to remember it. Right. He's getting so he moves on to the next one. He, he, he becomes stubborn in the way that the only objective is to score a goal. The first chance that he had, just, before coming, uh, just after coming on, he, he had a chance to give the ball back to one of his play, uh, teammates to, for, in order for the other to score. And he tried to score across something stupid where he didn't see where the net was. So that's absolutely what you see from a striker who's completely obsessed by the fact that he has to score, otherwise he's going to be criticised. Mm -hmm. you, you get worried when they yeah. start hiding. Yes. yes. That, that's the issue, yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> Passion. Uh, as uh, as Nader mentioned, of course, Australia exceeding expectations, making it through this far. And at 2-0, there wasn't too much hope. But when that deflected effort went in, Melbourne exploded as the, <laughs> the guy at the front just looks in complete and utter uh, disbelief at, the all, at it all. In the end, they, uh, they go home with their heads held high. And Alexis caught up with some Australia fans who were at the game. How are you feeling after that? Uh, feeling pretty good. We, we gave it a good crack and I'm uh, pretty proud of the boys out there for giving it their all. They've done us proud and um, I just hope that it inspires the kids back home to get on the park and play and this is what you can achieve. Your dreams can come true. And I got a lot of love for Matty Ryan, but what a moment. <laughs> uh, 
What do you say? Can we talk about that? Should we talk about that? Yeah, we had them on the ropes. There was a couple of pretty good chances. I couldn't believe that they didn't go in. You look at the replay at the end, that last shot. Hit the arm, uh, hit the, arm of the goalkeeper. That was yeah, that would be very tough on them, I think. I think we deserve a couple of frothies after that one. Yeah. 100%. 100%. <laughs> few beers to go down tonight, definitely. Fantastic. With Stevie. Brilliant, brilliant. Alexis joins us now. Alexis, what's interesting, and it might be completely wrong, but it feels like every time Argentina play, the atmosphere in the stadiums go up another notch. Yeah, Dan, you are 100% right. And I mean, today was definitely the best atmosphere I've been to so far at a match at this World Cup and that's probably because it was pretty much 98% Argentina fans here and just a pocket of Aussie fans and they were trying their absolute best but you know Argentina fans they're loud, they're rowdy, they have more songs than even the England fans as well, they jump on the seats I mean that stadium might as well have just been La Bombonera back in Buenos Aires because it was absolutely rocking, it was so loud as well they were constantly chanting and screaming to Messi um, to do something really and truly because after that first half, people really weren't impressed. I actually got to see a lot of the fans being frustrated. One of them even turned to me and was like, we're not playing like Argentina, but at least Messi will always be Messi. And they knew that it was going to take a stroke of brilliance from the man himself that they called Dios with a 10 there. One had another flag that said, Argentina is my religion and Messi is my God. It was unreal when he finally scored. The place went to absolute bits. I mean, people had families there. There were some kids in front of us and their parents just tripled over them. It was amazing to see they were crying. They took the shirts off. The security had to come back to them and tell them, hey, please put back on your shirts. And then towards the end, they didn't care. They took the shirts off again and were waving it. But it was truly an amazing atmosphere. And as I said, this Argentina team, they're expecting them to win the trophy. They're not looking as convincing as they need to be. Still relying heavily on Leo Messi. But I think that their 12th man definitely has a massive part to play in their chances in taking that trophy. Uh, Alexis, as always, thank you very much. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com FC. Just go to Indeed.com FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 
match. Let's take a look then at how the bracket looks. We know then it will be the Netherlands against Argentina on Friday. Uh, what a cracking tie this should be. Just a reminder, ESPN FC on ESPN Plus is presented by the all-new Honda CRV Hybrid. Uh, let's take a look at how the bookies have this game set. You imagine Argentina a favourite. Uh, four to seven on the Dutch 11 to eight. Uh, Nadem and Jules are still with us, as is Mario. Mario, we can talk about the Dutch finally. What, 50 minutes into the show, we, uh, <laughs> uh, we can finally talk about the Dutch and how you feel about them going into this tie. Oh, uh, going into this tie, look, man, it's all about Messi. I see, like, you know, this nation focus so much on Messi that, that it's incredible. Like, you know, like, even if you don't want to, you have to, regardless of that. But we also hey, like Mario. his style of playing. Even Mario doesn't want to talk about Holland. He's not <laughs> Argentina and Messi. No, no, we're talking about, I'm talking about Messi because now I'm going to tell you what Holland is thinking now. <laughs> because Holland talks about him. Why? Because they highlighted it in the sense of how they're going to stop a guy like that. Because if you're going to play a, a player against him, then you're playing with one man less because something can happen. I did it myself when I was started as a young boy. And then I had to, you know, like it worked out well, but that was 10 years ago. Or, I mean, what's it, 15 years ago. So now going forward, I feel like Holland has got to focus on totally different things because the way they played against the United States, and we, we don't want to go. <laughs> Again, there are a couple of things that I wanted to highlight about that is that he knew exactly what he was doing. Dest, your best player on the ball. He is clearly, you try to get him on the ball. Where was Memphis Depay playing? He was playing in the left-hand zone so, so that Dest would not get on the ball. So you were switching it to Robinson. Why do you want Robinson on the ball? Because he uses a lot of energy to go forward and he gets exposed. That's what they were waiting for, the counterattack. Then the other side you had, the, the two at the, in the middle of the park was the Zimmerman, and uh, I cannot pick up the name so quickly. But um, so going back to that, it's like you guys were waiting too long to, to see what you were going to do. And Holland allowed you to do that. And Van Gaal said it after the game. He said, we were just waiting for them so we could hit them on the break because they had to give us the answer to what, what we were waiting for. And we, we had a lot of opportunities to get the ball, but we didn't um, maximize the opportunity so well. So that was the only downfall to the game. But away from that, we want to play better. We want to play better. We hear that repeatedly from people complaining how the Holland is playing because Holland does not play like the classic way how we normally play. But it doesn't matter. We don't play the classic way. But Fugat clearly goes for the results. And at this point, that is very new for Holland, but definitely new for America when they face them. Dan, uh, you're saying, uh, Mario, that uh, Van Gaal thought about everything. Had Pulisic... Uh, would have scored the goal. Uh, do you yeah. think he had a plan B? Do you think it would be the Dutch would have been able to uh, to attack and lead the game? Yeah, they had to. That's a very good question because I thought about the same thing. You are right because the game would have been different eh, if he would have scored because Holland had to come out now. And the problem would have been is that what they were going to do. The only thing was okay, look, Holland really clearly uh, the, uh, is depending on the pie. That's why he gave him the golden ticket that he would not give another player. He said, we're going to wait till you get fit. Okay, the young had a little bit, but he knew the young he was going to get. So the pie he gave it to. So if he scored, they had to spread up the game a little bit more and be more uh, f uh, forward in the sense of the way they were um, today. Because first half, they were like that. But the second half, you know, 
you, you saw us, uh, yourself, Frank. It was a different game second the second half than compared to the first half. What he did, he wanted them to run down the energy because he knew that America could not bring the same energy of the first half to the second half. And when that happened, now he started playing. And that was the answer to what would have happened if they would have scored the goal, then America would be in the upper hand. But we also don't know what they would have been doing because Berhardt played so long. He was in Holland for so long. Tactically, I'm going to be honest, we are a small nation. What do we have? We have technique we can work really hard on and tactic we can work on. The rest of the things, we normally get overrun because the passion of what America has is on a different scale. So we have to be smarter. Looking ahead to Friday, Jules, it's big boy time. <laughs> yeah, it's big boy time. I mean, I think this is, this is a fascinating encounter on paper to start with tactically between Scaloni, who's still a young manager compared to Van Gaal. You know, this is, this is again, we had that a bit with Berhalter today. It won't be the same scale, but not, not too far. And I also think that... I also think that the Dutch would be very, it's a very pragmatic team, this team. Very different to what we've seen before, maybe in previous generations. This is very like the 2014 one that Van Gaal already entered to the semi-final. This is a, a team that is very happy to let you the ball. You can have the ball because Klassen plays so well out of possession and then when they recover the ball, he's so good to find those little space between the lines and then Memphis is so good and, and Gabko is so quick that plus the two wingbacks and we saw, I mean, if Johan Cruyff was watching from up there, the, the, the two, two of the three goals are from one wing back to the other wing back and then the right wing back to the left wing back. This is, this is exactly what Van Gaal dreams of at night, every single night. And right now, I have to be honest, I'm not sure how much of answers this Argentina side has against this Dutch team. That's why for me, it's a very 50-50 game. And yeah, yeah, it might be decided by a messy moment of magic. But there was something just quickly. Martinez, Emi Martinez said after the game today, Messi is 99.9% of our team. He's... he's this is him. The rest, the 0.1% is the rest of the players. Okay, this is great. No one has never won the World Cup on his own. Not even Maradona in 86. So let's see how they do against a Dutch team. Nedem Sede, Van Dijk looking really, really sharp, looking really, really good. And so is Ake and so is Timber. The wingbacks are very good. And this is a team that tactically and collectively knows exactly what they're doing. And I think it's going to be really tough for Argentina. Nedem, do you agree with Jules, 50-50? Yeah, I think I think I think I do. I think I do. And in some ways, I think people will be writing off uh, the Netherlands because Messi just had that game there, and they're going to have the crowd there. And it'll be interesting to see Netherlands as an underdog, because for the way that they play, it's going to be one of those matches where maybe they'll just sit back in and try and hit them on the break again. Maybe Argentina are going to overcommit. Except the difference this time is when you look at someone like Gakpo or Depay or maybe a Bergwijn if he comes on. Those guys running against the Argentinian centre-backs is probably going to be favourable more to the Netherlands than, say, we saw from the Australians today. So I think it's going to be a very, very interesting tie. And the Netherlands have all of a sudden hit this spot now where I didn't really like them that much through the group, but they kind of showed me something today which made me think I wouldn't be surprised if they made it to the final. And that's a really weird spot to be in because it, wow. it was literally <laughs> two days earlier. I was like, no, there's nothing. I, I was drinking the USA Kool-Aid, literally. I was like, it's all done. You it's all said and done. USA yeah. is going, <laughs> so it's crossing the Atlantic. Yeah, literally, it's corrupted my brain. Literally, my brain is fried. But in the end, they just look so, so comfortable. 
And I guess that's going to be a big thing for them when they go and play against Argentina because they won't fear them. And one thing I saw today from being in the stadium, they're exceptionally well organised. And I think for Argentina, it's going to be tough to break them down. Uh, yeah. Just to wrap this up, I'm not sure if you see. You, I'm not sure if you've seen this, Mario. Uh, the reception that the team got uh, when they arrived yeah. back in the hotel, which is which is great, which is lovely. The best bit about it, by a million miles, is Van Hoel dancing like an uncle at a wedding uh, with his camera showing everyone as well. There he goes. Hey! <laughs> I love it. Oh boy. Oh, oh boy. boy. He let go. Yeah. He let go. So yeah. No, I think that's fair enough. The, the atmosphere is going to be crazy. It's going to be awesome. With the Dutch yeah. fans and the Argentinian yes. fans yeah. that's going to be a game to yeah. watch. Really. Mario, just quickly, because we heard Marco van Basten very critical of the Dutch today in yes. their style. Is that collective amongst the nation or are they, like you, appreciative of what Van Hoel is doing, just getting them through? No, no, look, I, I always said that the way Holland is playing now is not like the tradition, how I've been brought up as a player too. Everybody knows that. The whole nation knows that. Everybody knows it. But the key thing is now, Van Gaal, He's saying it, but let me tell you the truth. He's now going, his focus is more on, let me get the results because we have always been playing nicely, but let's just get the business done and then we will figure it out later on. 78 World Cup final. Yeah, there there's, some, the... there's some sort of phrase with deodorant, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of deodorant, I'll need a lot on Sunday because it's Senegal against England. Uh, England, big favourites, 4-1 to one on to go through to the quarterfinal. Senegal coming in at 3-1. to one. Let's take a look at the predictions. Uh, oh, Frank. oh, Frank, you have gone for Senegal. That's what I was hoping for. Yeah. Oh, brilliant, considering you, your history. You too. You right. too. Yeah, of course. But, yeah. you, but the yeah, fact you know that you, Dan's done you, that. you've got Canada out, Denmark out, USA out. So I got a Georgina good. Well, one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I got some other. I got French good. Right. Let's, <laughs> let, let's go out. Jules, why Senegal? why Senegal? I mean, to be honest, with my friends, my, my friends play for them and they watch the show, and I'd be in trouble if I don't oh, root for them. So I'm rooting for Senegal. <laughs> because I'm a good friend. I'm a good friend. I, th I think it's not, this is not going to be an easy game for England. To start with, of course, their favourite on paper. They have to be. They've got a better squad. And we said um, the other day, Idrissa Gay not being there for Senegal is a huge loss. I think, I think with him, you would be even more confident without him. And Mendy can replace him and he's a good little player, but he's not Idrissa Gay. So this is a huge blow for Senegal to start with. But in terms of physicality, in terms of the rhythm that they can put in the game, in terms of how they will isolate, I think Ismail Assar against one of the two fullbacks, whether it's Walker or whoever, or Trippier on the right, or maybe he will swap and Sar will play on the left-hand side against, on, the, on his right against the left-hand side of England, against Luxor, for example. But I think this will be the game plan and they will be very hard to break down. But you have to say that if England don't beat Senegal, it be a huge disappointment and a huge failure for them, even if I'm rooting, of course, for the Senegalese. For your friends. Uh, yeah, Nadim, <laughs> uh, you have some friends well, yeah. on the England side, obviously, as well. Uh, let's take a look at if you're including any of them in the starting 11. Everyone been clamouring for Phil Foden to start. You believe it won't be Foden, it will be Rashford that will be coming in for Sterling. Yes, that's what I believe. As somebody who's joint top scorer in the tournament, I could see him doing that. And I think Saka down that right hand side, he does a, I think he does a very, very good job. But ultimately, I think England have so much depth that anything's really possible up there. And whoever they put out, 
I think they're going to be really effective and whoever they can bring off the bench will have a point to prove. And anyway, just to mention what Julian's doing. So obviously he says he has his friends in the team. I think his friends listen to the show as well. So if you ever hear him going really big on Senegal or maybe really big on Chelsea, wow. Wow. Listen, I, wow. I don't need to say I anymore. Wow. I don't need to say anymore. I'll tell you what. I'm honest. Foden is not going to play again? Sterling, he'll play Sterling. He always plays Sterling. No, but he, yeah, well, you know, I don't understand. I think there is a mystery, like there is a Reina mystery. Have, who would your front three be? Oh, that would be uh, Foden, Kane and, uh, and, um, and Saka. Right. Yeah, Foden, he has to play. He would be the first in the list for right. me. I mean, but Rashford scored three goals mm. already in this tournament. Who? Rashford. Yeah, good, good. But uh, if I have to pick three, right. that would be Foden for me. Yeah, same as you. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm the same front three as Frank. Uh, uh, Mario, who would you prefer to defend against? A Phil Foden, a Marcus Rashford, a Raheem Sterling? I would pick my, my up front will be um, what, what you guys already had. I would pick Rashford, Kane and uh, Saka. Those right. would be my uh, Why no Foden? I, look, Foden, I think there's, the, the question's been going up for a long time, you understand, to see if he's going to start or not. I like him as a player, don't get me wrong, but I just feel like, hey, Rashford, I go for the goal tally. Kane, I feel like he's going to, you know, if he doesn't score, he at least set people up. And Saka, yeah, that's, I mean, it's not going to be that easy. So that's why I think I would go for balance, but definitely Foden. I will give him more time than they've been giving him because I think they've been waiting too long and I think they have to allow him to get his rhythm into uh, this team because if you just gave him one game, come on, guys, you got to give him a bit more and that's why they haven't done that. That's why I will give Saka the opportunity. You know, wait, wait, go on, go, quickly, Steve, we've got to move on. If you're, if you're a defender, you much rather play against Rashford and Phil Foden. Because you know what's happening. You know exactly what you get. You have no idea with Foden. Uh, meanwhile, of course, the earlier game, the winner of which will play England or Senegal, is France against Poland. No surprises, the defending champions. Wow, one at seven to one on. Oh, means you've got to vote on seven dollars to win one. Poland nine to two. Let's take a look at the predictions that everybody has. Everybody going that's for why, France. That's why I wanted to. Uh, Frank. <laughs> yeah, well, I have to. You know, according to what we saw uh, lately. Um, you have the same prediction as me, Frank. Yeah, but you love France, you know. Yeah. And, uh, I've got many friends who play on the team. Yeah, that's why. That's why. That's why. No, no, I think it's. I, I think it's a fair prediction to, according to what we saw. But I think, I think Poland is going to park the bus. Right. And if France doesn't score very quickly, it can be yeah. tricky. Right. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. uh, do you agree, Jules? Yeah, I think so. I think we know that it's going to be the same team as as the one that faced Denmark and that beat Denmark, uh, which, is, which is completely logical from a Deschamps point of view. But, but you're right, it's a, it's a team that, and this is the team, uh, with, so Griezmann is not in that position, it would be more as an eight if we were 4-3-3 formation, but, but this, is, this is a team that can easily be Poland. However, Chesney can have the game of his life, Lewandowski can score a goal after, with a half chance, for example, so they will have to be careful and also the last time they had to play a knockout game, it was against Switzerland, and we all thought that they were going to do it. They were 3-1 up with 10 minutes to go, and they ended up losing it. And I wonder psychologically if that maybe will play a little bit on the mind of the ones who were there in that game against Switzerland 18 months ago, or, or not. So we will have to see. But from what we saw against Denmark, for example, especially, I think it's still very encouraging that that team is going from strength to strength. Uh, thank you very much. Um, will you be watching the game with Mark Ogden, Jules? 
Yes, yes, yes. Well, we, we share the flat as well, so we spend all our time together. Make sure it doesn't jinx you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much then to Jules and Nader. Much appreciated. You know, you know who's going to jinx me? Uh, uh, who? You know who's going to jinx me? Herc and, Herc and Sebi are going, and I really don't want them to go. There's something about them that I don't like at all for that game tomorrow. I'm not happy with that. You didn't even have to say about that game tomorrow. I just don't like at all in general. That's fair enough. Uh, thank you very much, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, Mario back uh, for extra time. Of course, a lot more from Jules available on the latest edition of the Gavin Jules podcast. Be sure to check it out. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Uh, meanwhile, Neymar tweeted this, of course, Brazilian action against South Korea on Monday. I feel good. I knew that I would now. That's a song, isn't it? It is indeed a song, <laughs> which I won't sing because we'll probably have to pay royalties on it. Shut up. So, good news there for Brazil. Also good news as well. Uh, more significantly, a lot of rumours over the last 24 hours about the health of Pele. He took to Instagram and wrote, my friends, I want to keep everyone calm and positive. I'm strong with a lot of hope and I follow my treatment as usual. I want to thank the entire medical and nursing team for all the care I have received. I have a lot of faith in God and every message of love I receive from you all over the world keeps me full of energy and watch Brazil in the World Cup. Thank you so much for everything. It goes without saying. Of course, we hope that Pelé pulls through uh, one of the best players ever to grace the game. And some good news coming out of Brazil then about his health. Uh, be sure to stay tuned. Extra time is next. Mario back, Frank and Stevie as well to answer your tweets. FC Extra Time is brought to you by Globen. Hello and welcome into the studios. Mario is... Mario, you've had a long day with us, mate. Was it 1am in Amsterdam now? <laughs> yeah, it's 1am. I'm a lucky man. <laughs> yeah, lucky's an interesting it's word. It's funny that he has a halo. Yeah. He does yeah. have a halo, doesn't he? Yeah. It looks, it looks like, like an angel. Light. You look like, like an angel. Yeah, exactly. Hey. Uh, Frank, is it Frank, please see well. if the questions are on the printer, please. Oh, I'm going right Do something for your daughter. Yeah. There we go. We've got to make, make the most of you while you're still here. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. Okay, I'll just oh, read, yeah. read them off the screen. There okay. we go. Time to uh, screen. Right. One thing. Yes. You know we're naming goats, you know, saying that the greatest of all time. Yes, yes. Can it be plural or it should be only the greatest? 
It's only one. Wow, greatest. that's quite that's quite a well, can of worms. I hear that cool. Ronaldo is the greatest. Messi is the greatest. Right. All gods, they all gods. Where yes. for me, the only one. Goat, it's okay. Billy. Okay, well, there you go. So greatest by definition is only a singular, isn't it? Oh, so, I think so. There you are. So okay. yeah, well there we are. Voilà. Uh, Frank, how surprised were you that a European team let the US have possession? Does this show progress for that? How the US is viewed? Well, as we explained, <laughs> His during... face. yes. Well, how we exp... uh, um, you know we explained during the show that in fact it was planned by right. Gal. Yes, <laughs> that was a, that was a tactic as Mario explained explained to us, and uh, that was clearly thought through, and uh, and it, and they went into the trap. Yeah, you know that's what it is, um, and uh, it's not because they couldn't do that; it's because they wanted the US to have the possession and counterattack. Uh, I've got to ask you, Mario, because Marco van Basten was pulling no punches at half-time despite the fact that Dutch were 2-0 up. Has he got history with Van Gaal? Do they not like each other? No, 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 no. I, I, I watched uh, Van Basten. I, he was my coach for national team, you understand? So I know exactly uh, how he thinks about the game. But the thing was, no, it's fine with him. But the only thing he says, I want to see beautiful football. That's what the whole country wants. But Van Gaal is, like I said, He's just going for result, result, result. Because we have tried tournaments over and over and we never won it with all the beautiful stuff. So maybe Van Gaal now goes another round. Do I like it to watch it? No, I want beautiful football. But hey, guys, business sometimes has to be done. Okay, uh, let's move on to the next question. Uh, have you ever seen a 35-year-old playing with a ball like Messi does in your life? The best ever. No. The goat. No. Another one. <laughs> no. No, even I, I actually, what stuck in my mind later on in this game was a ball that went down the left hand side and he actually had a foot race with yep. the defender. And he was all the way with the defender. The defender didn't beat him. So to be able to have. I guess to be able to. to He's got, he's got incredibly quick feet. Mm. And when you get older, the, the timing and the strength and everything starts going and you kind of lose that. Right. He doesn't seem as though he's lost that at all. So to, to be 35 and still have such quick feet is pretty amazing. That's the, that's the key. The pace that you bring into your football and you can keep all over the age, it, the edges, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's very important. We see Luis Suarez out of Right. Out of it. Yeah. Ronaldo is becoming difficult. Messi is the only one who are able to keep that pace and change it and, and make the game being so effective. You're going to upset Ronaldo fans. <laughs> no, they get angry Ronaldo, when you say those sort of things. But to be fair, Ronaldo is three or four years older than him. Yeah, he's three or four years older than, mm -hmm. that, than him. And, uh, and uh, we're going to see how Messi cops if he still plays at the same level at 38. Yeah. That would be kind of different. And you, it's hard. I'm fed up you know, comparing Ronaldo and Messi because then completely different type of players. Right. And they don't play the same position, they don't have the same physique, they don't have the same football. I don't know why we compare, except that they are two fantastic players. Well, you've just answered your own question. We shouldn't compare. <laughs> yeah. We shouldn't uh, that's go. what we do, Frank. Yeah, yeah but and because you're yeah. not clever. You're not clever people. Well, a lot of people watching this have this debate, and it's, a, and it's just a natural debate to have. Yeah, and, they, and they're right, because it, it's funny. And it, it, well, the, well <laughs> stick to your guns. Ma Mario, how do you stop Messi? How you stop Messi? I think there is no way to stop Messi. The only thing is that you have to pray before the game kicks off and pray after the game that it worked out well. Because this guy thinks 
two or three or maybe 100 steps ahead of everybody. That's why he looks that quick. When you guys talk about the pace, that's the answer to his pace. His mindset is way ahead of anybody else. We normally get it when we get older. He already had it when he was 20 years or 18 years old. And look where he is right now. He sees things that we don't see. Uh, more pro Messi, anti Ronaldo propaganda. No, 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 it's horrible. It's horrible for you to put us in that position. I apologize to our Portuguese. You should apologize to Ronaldo. People are going to be worried about to us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We love Ronaldo. For Mario, do you feel confident in the performance versus the US or do you feel like it was too close? I, I felt it was too close. I think we could have done more when we had the ball. And I think, um, you know, when we, we uh, scored the first goal, everybody was like, wow, wow, wow. I would have liked to see more of that. Because then, why I say that? Because then technically, it will be a better answer for everybody to understand what was happening. Now, sometimes people were thinking like, we were sitting back and, and sometimes questioning the situation. I understood what Fogal was doing, but not everybody understood that. And I think that he should have cleared up a little bit in the sense of like, take more control when you win the ball back they got to really go for for um, the goal and I think sometimes they, they lost the ball too quickly it was a very good question what well, is a good question because oh, it's Frank Lepeuf <laughs> the first bold man in France <laughs> uh, where does that come from if people don't know why do people call you the first bald man in France? Oh, because that's the reality of it. You, you, know? you were the first ever bald person. Well, well, to shave, you know, my head completely. Of right. the bald people, we have many, but, yes. but to shave my no head. No one completely. ever did that before? No, not in France. Is that not an arrogant way to look at it? Just because no, you No, it's just a fact. Oh, oh, it's a fact, is it? That's a fact. Yeah, it's the know, French Guinness World Record. We don't, need to we, don't need, <laughs> we don't need to comment it. It's just a fact. Right, know? I see. And, uh, and then people are like, wow, look at that man. No, because I was in England. <laughs> <laughs> there are oh, some I met Mario. Frank like this. He's right. I met Frank like this. And he was like that already. So yeah. I don't yeah. know Frank any different. 96. This is Frank Hub. I know him. There's some holes in this story, Frank. Gianluca Vialli shaved my head. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. He was so bold seeing me, you know, fighting with it. And he come, come over. Wow, there we go. And Bye -bye. you've been bold ever since. Yeah, yeah. What a lovely story. Shiny. <laughs> okay, uh, next question coming up then. I don't think this is from Frank. Uh, Frank, is it is it worrying that Argentina have to fight for wins against presumably easy teams? What will happen if they face a team like France? The thing is, people have to stop thinking that because it's, the, it's Argentina and because they have a big history, that is going to be easy for them because they're going to play the Sucaroos that of course have a less lesser big history in the world of football we have to we compare every time by the history of all no, I, don't. I think I think you look at the players on the pitch don't you I think yeah, that's why you too but so you it, look at that and you think well why isn't this team dominating? in Australia you have uh, for the Sucaroos you have many players who play in England just because you play I in guess. England doesn't make you great, does it? Well, it makes you being more experienced than if you play in Australia. Or if you play in England for French players, you know, you're going to be better than if you play in League One. But that's what it is. I think Argentina never had any easy game, never had any easy game during for, 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 for many years. And they, would, they, they have to fight all the time because of the Messi dependence as well. So it's not easy. And uh, we don't, we have evidence of many, many teams struggling against so-called lesser right. teams. Okay. Uh, final question then for this edition of Extra. I'm going to let Mario go to bed after this. Yeah. Uh, will Tyler Adams, having such a great World Cup, does he deserve a big transfer move? 
to a high-profile team. Take that, Leeds fans. Or do you think his game <laughs> goes under the radar to, due to lack of goals and assists? Uh, what do you think, Mario? I mean, it's a tricky one because I feel like Tyler Adams was also put in a, in, a, in a midfield playing against a guy like the Young. And I didn't feel like he had a, the quickest answer to how to adapt to that. Do I feel like he had a great tournament? Yeah, of course. I think they did well. I think the whole US did well anyway, because we can talk about it like Holland outsmart them or whatever. But guys, from where they were and where they are right now, yes, they've done great. And I think he should definitely understand, keep this track going. And I think he will find something that is, is definitely bigger than where he is right now. But at the moment, get your games going in England. Right. That's the most I th important. I think he put, he put his name He's in just had a big move. Yeah, no, but he had a big move. But he, he was uh, on the bench at Leipzig. No, but he's not in the Premier League. He's maybe not in the US, certainly. But in many countries in the world, he put his name in the list. Yeah, you but know, to do he, what, Frank? And I'm saying that he, did, he had a very good World Cup. No, most definitely. But yeah. it's not a World Cup that was going to suddenly put him on the radar, is it? Oh, but, yes. But he's had a oh, very good really? season. Of course, he's had of course, a very three games. If you've got a decent scouting system, then you should definitely know about this guy oh, already. Yeah, yeah, three games against Iran, England and Wales. Is that make you go, why have you got to spend had, £100 million pounds yeah. on him? He's had a good season for Leeds. Yeah, on He's top had of a it. good season for Leeds. You, you have many he's players. Not, he's not a complete... Coming from absolutely nowhere, yeah, yeah. when you think about the, the, the numbers that watch the Premier League. But he's had his big move, that is his big move. Right, to Leeds. From the bench at Leipzig yeah. to Leeds. He puts you on the pedestal if you have a very good World Cup. And he had three good games today, was a little bit harder. But, but mm. people are going to know you, they're going to have pressure from the media, they're going to maybe think about you, and th that's possible that I you... I don't know, Frank. Well, he plays for a big club already. Exactly, that's so what I'm saying. Nobody could maybe interest many other clubs, that's possible. Because of three games at the Because World of Cup. three games, that's you know. I, I, well, come that on. That used I, to I, happen. I talked about um, Skilacci in 1990. He signed for Juventus after, I think. Yeah, he did. He think but, for a big club. But that only happened, Frank, because back then nobody knew anything about. Where are you going, Stevie? Oh, no, <laughs> I'm just relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just chilling. Out. <laughs> Put your feet on the table. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, let's talk about Taylor Adams, you know. So, uh, normally, yeah, yeah. years ago... Yeah, what happened? Years ago... Relax, Dan. Nobody knew anything about players from other countries. No. Particularly, I, think, I mean, I think in 1990, we England against Cameroon. And we were like, oh my goodness, this Cameroon side's unbelievable. Right, yeah. It's only because we'd never mm. seen them before. Right, yeah. I don't like your but shoes. But now we've seen everybody. <laughs> I don't like your shoes. Why not? Well, I think they're all right. Yeah, uh, that is it. Thank you very much. Mario, you're going to go to bed. Yeah. Thank you so much, mate. Much appreciated. Thank uh, you, guys. Bye, bye, Mario. <laughs> uh, See you, guys. The, the tense working atmosphere here in Southern yeah. Winter. Oh, that's <laughs> uh, under um, pressure. Just a reminder, ESPN FC, it's Frank's last day in the studio. Yeah! Everybody's wow, be happy. what a moment for <laughs> us all. Be sure to join us. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 
93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com FC. Just go to Indeed.com FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 